Welcome to the Abundant Leaders Podcast. I'm Tenji, your host, a certified executive coach and leadership developer with more than a decade of experience advising executives, managers, and companies on how to perform at their peak and find deeper alignment and fulfillment. My dream is for all of us to live in the truth and fullness of who we are so that we can have the biggest lives and most fulfilling careers that are possible for us. It is all possible for us. Together, let us lead ourselves, our people, and our organizations with confidence, courage, and wisdom. This is our time to heal and expand, to thrive, and to lead abundantly. Hello, hello. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. Before we jump in, I just want to take a moment to thank everyone who is showing up to the pod, listening in, sharing it with your friends and family and colleagues and interacting, rating and following the podcast because of you, the pod was ranked the number seven management podcast on Apple in June this year. And that is an amazing thing for a podcast that is or was two months old at the time. It's only because you have been finding value in the podcast because people don't support things that they don't like. (laughs) So I really appreciate that. And I really thank you for um, being here, for supporting. And I hope that you continue to get the value that this podcast has been delivering. So I just wanted to do a little shout out to all of you before I jumped in. Let's go and talk about burnout. Burnout is something that I have experienced so much in my career. And today I came to talk about the five steps that I took to overcome burnout in a sustainable way because it has taken time to put all of these steps in place. It is really a journey and I wanted to lay out for you um, that it is a journey and what that journey entailed each step and it felt like each step was a milestone for me that brought me into more alignment, more peace, more health and I think deeper personal strength to be able to do the work that I need to do so that I have the boundaries and relationship with work and people I work with that will support me to have health and sustainable well-being despite being a high performer and doing really great work. It's been such a journey and when I first sat down to record this podcast I was actually going to call it um, the biggest thing you need to do is have boundaries with yourself not the boundaries that you have with everyone else because everyone who talks about boundaries they talk about work environment and they talk about you know doing meaningful work but what they don't talk about is the you that you bring to the table and um, when we talk about boundaries we think about putting boundaries as though they'll just enforce themselves but over time you start realizing that actually the person you most need to enforce is you because if you hold your boundaries loosely others will hold your boundaries even more loosely And it's not other people's jobs to manage your boundaries. It's actually your job to manage your boundaries. So that was the key message that I wanted to share today. And then as I was sitting down planning the episode, I realized that no, actually, I've taken a journey to get to this point. This is my latest insight about supporting myself with burnout. But this insight is stacked upon several other things I've been doing for the last few years in order to progressively go deeper and deeper to to really be able to robustly support myself. What I'm learning about, you know, when you want to be a high performer, but balanced and in love with yourself and with a life that feels good, that feels safe, that feels comfortable, that feels free. This abundance that I'm talking about in this podcast, it's a journey to get to that abundance. And at each step you go deeper and deeper. And so what I want to present with you, right, is a different approach to what a lot of people speak about, except the real deep burnout experts. People will tell you, do these five things and you won't be burnt out. That's really well and good. But doing those five things takes a lot of time. And number two, there's an entire person that you need to be so that you can even show up doing those five things. And whenever there is an aspect of personal development involved for you to have a different experience, you're talking about time. And that's something that I've struggled with because 
I love immediate fast results. I love to sit down, put together a plan with the steps that make perfect logical sense with abounding faith in my willpower and my ability to show up. And then I think that just because my mind is ready for it, the change has taken place on a subconscious level, that my mindset that underlies uh, the choices that I make and the behaviors that I exhibit um, will just automatically change overnight. And that is just not what happens, right? Because our brains don't like change. Our brains struggle with... um, with newness, they like familiarity, they feel safer there, even if the familiarity is pain. And so as you listen to these five things that I'm sharing with you, I want you to know that it took me time to put all of these things in place. I first, first, first burnt out in my career in um, 2009, when I was a analyst, an investment banking analyst at JP Morgan. And then I left JP Morgan and then subsequently burnt out a few times at McKinsey. But later I'll tell you my story and um, we're gonna journey through. So in this podcast, let me tell you what we're gonna talk about. I'm gonna tell you the most recent experience I had that made me think, okay, babe, the person you need to manage the most is you. And then I'm gonna share with you what the definition of burnout is, the aspect of burnout that I'm specifically speaking about in this podcast because burnout is multi-layered. And I want you to know which one I'm talking about and also to be aware that if you are feeling burnt out, it may not just be because of workload, it may be because of the other reasons that drive burnout. And then I'm gonna share with you what my burnout story was and then the five-step approach I've taken to recovering. So let's dive in. <laughs> I've just anyone who kind of follows me on social media and is part of my personal world you've seen that I just did a website refresh and to do that I worked actually quite hard I was working some late nights I worked over the weekend and super galvanized right I wasn't sitting there like forcing myself to work but I just wanted the work to get done I was in a flow a creative flow because it is a creative project you're picking colors you're picking languaging you're you're sharing stories you're being visionary you're imagining and really putting yourself in your client's shoes it's very very heavy um, creation work and so I like to stay in the container that like little bubble of creation until it's done and then I can step out and seek new energy right because that energy is really precious and time bound for me so I put in a sprint on the website produce the web it's done Monday comes because I've worked over the weekend I was like I even woke up I mean at the at the end of the day on Sunday when I finished up um, going live with the website I knew that I needed to take a break on Monday and I've set up my week so that Monday is a no meeting day. I only do internal projects and it's wonderful for getting stuff done. So it means I didn't have anything in my calendar and I had more flexibility. So I said, okay, I'm going to take Monday off. Monday comes and I fall into my activation trap of wanting to be productive because I've just had such a productive weekend and I'm like, okay, now I want to tell people about the website. Now I want to, and obviously the follow on steps from producing this thing comes up and it was so, so hard for me to sit down and just stay in the place of rest that I had chosen. I, you know, I'm going to link a little reel that I made on Instagram where I talk about this literally as it's happening. (laughs) And so that was a huge reflection for me and that's what brought me to record this podcast and so what i'm trying to say is that although i would say that i have recovered from burnout i realized in that moment that i was struggling to manage myself so that i could remain unburnt out and that's what i will ultimately speak about i realized that that is not actually the big insight about how to recover from burnout Actually, that is just the latest deepening into my burnout management practice that I have become aware of. And what I'm beginning to understand with a lot of these things I speak about on the podcast is that um, the way we want to show up as leaders, as abundant leaders, is really about having an embodied practice of the desired outcome we want or an embodied, consistent way of showing up and consistently choosing, consistently managing ourselves so that we have these great outcomes. Possibly this is a separate episode that I'll record in the future, but it's really important for you guys to know that although I am yours 
um, in to post-burnout recovery. I feel like I've recovered from burnout for a long time. I still have to continue to choose how I show up. And so my burnout story, very, very, very top down, is I have burnt out three times in my career. So um, this podcast is really, really close to my heart because burnout has been key to it, it really was, I would say, the pivotal experience or that um, trigger, the catalyst to my personal development growth journey, because I realized that I could not afford to continue to run my career the way that I had been. I burned out first at McKinsey, like I said earlier, and then and that was 2009. And then I burnt out again in McKinsey. The first time was, I think that was 2017. It was in the lead up to making EM and I was pushing really, really hard to to demonstrate that I was ready to be an engagement manager and um, there's a lot that's involved in doing that. And I was on a really tough project at the time, but that's exactly the type of project that you want to make engagement manager on, right? Because if you can do it on a tough project, then you can do well on an easy project. So that was really hard. And then fast forward about a year later, it was a year later, I burnt out again. But then it was weird, right? I I can't say that was um, workload burnout. I feel like that was a combination of workload burnout and nervous system fry up (laughs) is the only way I could put it. Because the thing is, like, if you are working in a really high performance stressful environment for a protracted period of time, I've spoken about this in a previous episode, your nervous system just gets fried because every single day you have to be suited up for war in order to show up for work. And so that third burnout was a lot more than just workload. And so at this point, I had to step back and say, okay, Tenji, something isn't working because anything that becomes a repeat pattern is less about the thing that's happening to you and is more about you. So I had to step back and say, well, clearly this is me, right? I can't just be mad at the organizations around me for like pushing me so hard and and putting such high expectations on delivery and outcomes and and it being fast paced, et cetera, because guess who chose to be in that environment? Me. I could go anywhere, but I chose to be here. So why am I choosing to be here? And that's what sent me off to therapy to say, hi, therapist. I think I'm making myself suffer and I don't understand why. Please help me. Right. Um, So before I continue and start telling you what my burnout approach was, let me quickly define for you the burnout that I'm speaking about so that we're talking about the same thing. So Harvard Business Review in a really great article called Why Burnout Happens, I'm going to put this in the show notes. In that article, they define burnout across six dimensions. One is workload. Two is, so workload, so too much work. Number two is control and a lack of autonomy and choice when you're carrying out your job and and what your job and and outcomes etc look like number three is lack of positive feedback and recognition for the work you're doing number four is a lack of community whether it's an unhealthy work environment or lack of um, connection and community with your fellow colleagues um, in the organization number five is lack of fairness. So this is when there's no impartiality, ethical practices and policies within the organization you're working for. And number six, it is a lack of meaning when you don't feel a connection to the work that you're doing or you feel like you're out of alignment with who you are. Hello, Tenji has experienced that. And I also recorded a podcast episode about that. That was episode number two. Go back and listen to it. It was really illuminating for me and I hope it was helpful for you guys. So that's, the, so that's the full definition of all the six drivers of burnout. You can be burnt out if one of these things is true or if a combination of these things is true. And so for you, if you're feeling burnt out, you can think about what is causing your burnout across those dimensions. I'm going to link this article in the show notes so you can go read it and do a bit of a self-reflection. What I'm really talking about here is number one, workload right? And so let's talk about that. I mean, a little bit of meaning will also come through later, but um, it's primarily workload. So what were the steps that I took to address burnout? 
because when I went to therapy, the first thing, I mean, for me to even be able to go to therapy, I left McKinsey. I, I went on secondment to um, MassMart and it was a much different um, environment. So the first thing that I did was, this is step one, I started with the big picture obvious things. I changed my job. This is where I went to MassMart for a year on secondment and then returned to McKinsey. And when I returned to McKinsey, I didn't go back into the client-facing consulting. I did a rotation within the firm into the global talent team where I was serving our firm people function. And that was so fun. Very different lifestyle, work hours, um, the, the kind of pace we were working with. And also a little bit of the culture and the environment was quite different to the performance culture and the way that we were led and um, that priorities were set and a lot of kind of the communication and messaging from leaders and um, the pressure that we feel to deliver for clients. It was very different. I'm not saying one is better than, no. What I'm here to say is that um, there was just a different culture at play. And that different culture was soothing, both at MassMart and at JP and at McKinsey and the global talent team. It was a just a soothing to my nervous system and an opportunity for my nervous system to calm down. So the first thing is bringing about these big picture changes. After changing my job, I took a whole lifestyle approach to, um, I remember at the time I'd gotten quite sick. So burnout often comes with a lot of physical and mental health um, issues. So I went and I saw a life coach and she helped me to step back and look at what is meaningful in my life and, you know, who am I that I'm bringing to work on a deeper level? And we just started to scratch the surface. It was very, very high level stuff, but really helpful stuff for me because I've been such an intellectual who was completely cut off from my inner world and my personal life. So uh, that was the second thing I did. I changed my diet. I quit alcohol for a while. I was on a lot of health supplements because I hadn't been nourishing myself well, which often happens when you're working too hard. It's hard to make healthful choices and exercising, etc., so that you're, you're optimizing the body you're bringing to your work environment. So I really leaned into what I call my personal operating model, how I eat, how I sleep, how I move my body. And how I manage my mind, I started meditating in order to um, kind of be able to be my best self at work. And this is something that I help my clients with, especially when they're in early stages of burnout, because you can get a lot of relief from this. So just from this step, I did get a lot of relief and it it really brought down my nervous system, my level of nervous system activation and allowed me to start beginning to heal. Then... Step two, after making this, these big, um, I would say surface level or external changes, then I had to go within, right? Because once you're doing all of these um, external changes, you're still bringing you to work. You still have work relationships. You still have a mindset. And all those things that you are doing when you are at work are also contributing to why you're burnt out. So then I had to look at that. Step two for me was to start introducing boundaries. Boundaries I focused on, the boundaries I focused on at this stage of my journey was boundaries with others. And here it was all about being really thoughtful about how I scope out my work, about the hours that I work, what I promise to deliver, right? The quality of what I deliver. And when I say the quality of what I deliver, I mean And maybe this is more about scope, right? I don't mean sacrificing on the right answer to deliver a great outcome to your client or whoever your end user is. No, that is not what I mean. But what I mean is focusing on the MVP. What is the minimum viable product that will get us a great result? Not what is the Rolls Royce, because quite often you don't need all the trimmings. You just need a great product that is delivered well, that meets exactly what was asked for, not what you want to deliver, but what the other person really needs. So that was a really big one because I was really quite perfectionistic and would really found a lot of personal pride in overperforming, over delivering, being like, 
you know, a badass bee who's a shining light that everyone can look at and think is fabulous, right? And that's what, I mean, honestly, I, I loved. I loved the rewarding feeling I got knowing that I was doing excellent work, right? And I had to really, at that stage, redefine, well, what is excellent work? What is an excellent outcome? And an excellent outcome is actually what is needed, not what I wanted to give so that I would get the most accolades and the shiniest medal, but what was needed so that my client would be happiest. And sometimes when you're over-delivering, because you're solving for yourself, you're actually hurting your client because then you're giving them something that's too big for them to consume. And that undermines their ability to even get value out of it. Hmm, food for thought. The last piece around boundaries with others for me was also around things like carving out my personal time. So when I put in an out-of-office reminder, at the beginning of my journey, I would be comfortable and confident enough to start putting in an out-of-office reminder. Before, I wouldn't. I would just go and leave and if things came in, I mean, I would put in an out-of-office. Let me correct myself. I would put in an out-of-office, but I wouldn't say I was unavailable. So if someone did send an email and it felt to me like it might be urgent, I would reply, which meant that I was still on when I was on vacation. I had to transition to being able to say, um, my next step was to say, I will be checking emails intermittently. And then I had to be able to say, I will not be available, um, but if there's an emergency, please reach out to me and, and I will respond. And I will put in my cell phone number. <laughs> Can you imagine? And then where we are now was I would say, I am not available until my return. And in order to enable that, right, I had to grow up, right, and start putting doing the pre-work that would ensure people wouldn't reach out to me when I'm gone. So I had to have conversations with people. Hey, I'm going to be gone and I will be unavailable. Is there anything you need right now? And I will give it to you now. HBR also has a really great um, article that has a really nice workflow that you can go through to help yourself to be completely dark when you go away. So that for me was a level up in not people pleasing and really choosing me. So that was number two, boundaries. Number three for me we then moved towards, and I remember um, the boundaries thing really rewarding me. That's one more thing when I was at MassMart because I still did quite well. And my boss was like, yeah, Tenji, you really, you really have strong boundaries, hey? And he still rated me a top performer. So that's when I really learned that, oh, Tenj, you can do excellent work and still be highly valuable. You will not lose your job if you don't, you know, bleed your soul for this company. That was illuminating. So let's go to number three, shifting towards more meaning. That was the next thing that I needed to do. And this is where you can go listen to episode two if you want to explore what my journey with this was. But the way that I then shifted towards more meaning was when I was at McKinsey and I'd done the secondment, and that was one step closer to the work that I really loved doing because now I was doing people work, which is what I really love. I love talent. I love organizational optimization. And But the way that I wanted to work, I couldn't really do in South Africa because the organizational practice at McKinsey in South Africa is just not as big as it is elsewhere in the world. So I would have had to move if I really wanted to build a platform to partner at McKinsey. And so because my father was sick, I was like, okay, no, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to stay in Joburg. And so what am I going to do? I have to leave McKinsey. And so I left McKinsey and decided to start my own business. That was a move towards more meaning because I knew that if I was at least in flow, I wouldn't just be relying on intellectual energy that just loves solving great problems. I would also have the intellectual energy and passion and deep desire, deep connection. And my business is such a source of light because what happens when you align with meaning is that you're able to draw energy from many other sources instead of just your physical body and just your motivation and willpower. And this is powerful when you're trying to recover from burnout. You'll remember at the beginning of the episode when I shared the HBR article that has the six dimensions of burnout and number six was meaning. So this was where meaning came in for me. And I can tell you now that um, because I'm doing work that I love, it just feels easier. There's flow. Don't get me wrong. I still work hard. And this is why this is only number, <laughs> this is only number three <laughs> out of the five step list, right? Because it wasn't enough to just be in meaning. Um, but it helped hugely. 
And so from solving for meaning, right? And now being in a place where I have light, my clients, what happens when you're in an energetic exchange that really aligns with how you are lit up from within? Because everyone is lit up differently and work is a place of energetic exchange. You're exchanging your time and your energy, your mental capacity and ideas, your creative energy, your visionary energy, your desires, all of these are energy sources. And you take all of those things and you package them into, into a little bubble and you hand that little bubble over to your employer or your client through the vehicle of the company you work for or your business. And then the client or the employer hands you back something, right? They hand you back money and money therefore is just an acknowledgement of the energy you've given them. They hand you back um, opportunities possibly, um, recognition, which means re which means a lot. They, the people you work with, your colleagues or your clients will give you back an energy of warmth and receptiveness that really fuels you. They may bounce off your creative offering. They may take your vision and implement it and you see the results and that feeds you even more because you're seeing your vision reaping rewards for you. It's like a seed that comes and feeds you bread after the season is done. And so what I'm saying here is that um, you're in an energetic exchange. And part of what will drive burnout is if you're in an energetic exchange that's imbalanced, it will bring you into holistic burnout. It, and it may manifest as physical burnout, but it's actually more holistic, right? And that's why meaning matters. And so for me being in more meaning, more of these elements of my energetic offering are being reciprocated with rewards when I'm giving it, right? So just think about that for yourself uh, when you're thinking about whether you're burnt out, not because necessarily you're working too hard. And then number four for me was I had to then go to the next layer, one step deeper, which was realizing that my work body comes to work with me. <laughs> this is <laughs> this was like so shocking for me. I experienced this when, so right, I, I, I leave, I leave McKinsey. I, I move in McKinsey. I move into more meaningful work. I, I introduce a really supportive personal operating model. And then I say, let me go into a place that has more meaning. Yay. Fun times. We have more meaning. And then and, and I have more boundaries while I'm working, etc. Then I go into a place where I have more meaning. And then now I'm in this home of meaning, right? Where the energetic exchange is beautiful. But then I'm still bringing myself to work in this new environment. So even in my business, I realized when I first started working that I still had a stressed out work body. Hang in, hang in there as I explain this to you. In fact, uh, there is a video that I recorded that is when IGTV was still um, a format that Instagram was pushing. I recorded a long form video about the work body you bring to work. If you guys have appetite, you can, I'm going to link it in the show notes. You can go check that out. But what essentially happens is when you get ready for work, your mind gets your body ready to start working and your body has been conditioned by your mind over a protracted period of time to be work ready. It's the same way you condition your body to wake up and be ready for gym or to run in the mornings if you have a consistent exercise practice. You'll know what I'm talking about here. And so your body then just like wakes up and is primed for motion and movement. And if you spend a protracted period of time not moving, you start feeling very uncomfortable because then you've got a lot of restless energy, all this coiled up, your, your body's priming to move has nowhere to go. So I was bringing a work body into my business that had been cultivated when I was in a burning out environment, right? So when I was at McKinsey, JP Morgan, in these high competitive environments, my body would be tensed up and ready for work, right? Because the way that we worked, there were multiple people. I was in back-to-back -back meetings the whole day. I So my mind had to be ready to switch and multitask from one thing to the next to the next, to be able to nimbly shift from one topic to the next topic, to you know problem solving with one of my teammates, to help them to move their work stream, the people that I was managing, to then sitting with senior leadership 
telling them the direction the engagement is going in and um, making sure that we're on track and aligned with the answer to sitting with the client, you know, discussing the challenge they're facing in the business as they give me information, as we talk about what's not working, as we problem solve. And so my body was always primed for high performance, right? That meant I had coiled up muscles. My back would be really tense, very rigid. I would come into meetings with like a very tight core, right? Because I'd be sitting, I'd be sitting upright, primed for action. I was in a nervous system activated state because that state is very similar to being in a boxing match. Guys, for anyone who's in a high performance career, you're an athlete. You're a performance athlete in the corporate environment. We are high performance in many different arenas in our lives. You have high performance moms, and that's why you can get mommy burnout. You have high performance healthcare work workers, that's why you have burnt out doctors. You have high performance corporate workers, that's why you have burnt out workers, right? And then you have high performance athletes who are really highly conditioned. And then you have burnt out athletes that are riddled with uh, injuries, right? Or even Simone Biles, you know, took a timeout at a very crucial competitive time in her season because she was burnt out and she received a lot of flack for it. But she was like, I need to care for myself because I'm actually unable to perform on the behalf of the United States right now. And so high performance is a state of athletic performance. And so your body comes to support you to perform at this level. The way then your nervous system shows up is we're ready for a fight. We're ready for game time. We're ready to race. And your adrenaline is up. Your muscles are tense. You find often we have like digestive issues, sleep issues, circulation issues, because when you're in a nervous system state of activation, all your blood goes away from your um, essential activities. So reproduction, rest, repair, and it all goes towards performance. Your muscles, oxygenating your muscles, um, really circulating to your extremities, dilating your pupils so you can see everything, accelerating your heart rate so you can pump muscles, you can pump energy more, tensing your muscles so you're ready to run. Because your body doesn't know that you're not an athlete on the field. Your body just knows that you it's needed. Because your nervous system just says, body, I need you. We're in high performance mode. And so although I was not in my high performance environment, my body had been trained to know that when I wake up, put on my clothes and go sit at my desk to work, we need to be in high performance. And it would trigger me into the same bodily performance environment that I was in when I was at McKinsey and JP Morgan. And so what does that mean? I had to retrain my body. So I had to start doing a lot of breath work, a lot of what really works for me is somatic smooth soothing. I'm calling it somatic soothing, where I just take my hands and I just gently would rub them around my heart in circular motion saying, hey heart, don't worry, all is good. We're relaxing here, right? I'm not at McKinsey anymore. There's no clients coming. No, we're just sitting at our desk. We're just coaching a few people today. And I had to start speaking to my nervous system um, because your nervous system is controlled by your brain and what your brain believes is happening. And your subconscious brain is the one that drives your nervous system, not your conscious brain. So your conscious brain knows that you're in your business, but your subconscious brain doesn't. So then I had to go and reprogram my subconscious through my conscious brain, right? So that my subconscious could go tell my nervous system that we're no longer in a high performance environment so that my nervous system could switch itself off when work started. This was a long process because I realized that although I was in a place of meaning where I didn't have tight deadlines and all of that performance craziness, I was running, I was working in my business as though I was still at McKinsey and I was pushing myself as though I was. So even if I had an easy day, I would sometimes get up and walk out of my office and feel this fog like descend on me like I'd feel this exhaustion I'd feel and I'd realize that oh my god I spent the whole day tensed up pushing looking at my emails looking at this looking at that right and so I've had to train myself to show up differently in my work day so that my work body is relaxed and from that place of relaxation I can have an easier time and I can therefore avoid the physical burnout symptoms, even though the 
overworking heavy workload is no longer there, right? So this is why burnout then goes to the deeper level, right? Then the final piece for me that I've had to look at, number five, is the boundaries I have with myself. So as I was saying earlier in the video that I shared on Instagram, what I've learned about boundaries at this stage is that you can have boundaries and it's awesome when people love you and want you to thrive and they respond positively to your boundaries. So you come and you tell them something that you you are not going to do, right? I will not reply your email today. I will reply your email tomorrow. <laughs> I will not send you that document this week. I'll send you that document on Tuesday because I'm going to work on it on Monday. And I trust that for you, you will receive it well, right? If you have a client who's then like, no, well, I want everything now. I want to email you over the weekend. I want to talk to you constantly. Then that client may not be a good fit, right, for your boundaries. Now, the trap I fell into was that I didn't understand this. And I didn't trust that the right clients would come. And I didn't necessarily know that it was... if a that people have a right to say no. So the way that boundaries work, let's step back a second and say, what what is a boundary? A boundary is the distance at which I can um, be unresentful towards you and you can have joy and peace and receive the best of me, right? So you can receive the best of me and I can not be in resentment towards you, right? I need a boundary to be able to do that, which means it's an exchange. I voice my need. So first I must decide, well, what is my boundary here? And then from that place, I must put the boundary in place by voicing to you, this is what I will do. This is what I will not do. And then I give you the opportunity to either say, yes, I will meet you at your boundary desire and you can deliver to me on Monday or no, I need it now. And then it is the ball bounces back into my court. And then I can say, am I going to receive this ball and stay on the court and play? Or am I going to leave, right? The job of this, you know, point number five, what I'm finding now is that my job, if someone volleys the ball back to me and says, no, I need it now. My job is to say, then I'm sorry, I'm not the right person for you. Maybe you can find what you need somewhere else. And I need to be able to, one, sit in the discomfort of letting someone walk away from me, believing in an abundant world and trusting that someone else will come in their place. Let's say this is a client. Let's say this is a lover. <laughs> Let's say this is an employer. Let's say it's a job. Let's say it's an opportunity for leadership that you know is going to require things of you that won't support your family. You have to be able to say no I will wait for the right thing or I will go and create the right thing out there with people who will meet me where I am, right? And that is the you work. It is not for you to judge someone else for being unable to meet your boundary, right? It is their prerogative to say, I have my own boundary because what's happening here is actually you're in a boundary exchange. You voiced your boundary but unfortunately, you have a boundary mismatch. They are voicing their boundary. They need the thing now. And so then you must say, either I'm going to invalidate your boundary and force you to stay in this relationship at, on my terms, on the terms of my boundary, which means you must violate your boundary to meet me where I am. Or I'm going to force myself to stay in this exchange by changing who I am to meet your boundary, which means I'm going to violate my boundary. Or I'm going to enable us both to be able to support our individual boundaries by separating from this relationship and going somewhere else, right? That's just one example of boundaries. But those are boundaries with other people, right? On a very deep level. The boundary with yourself is exactly the same. In you, there are two people. I found, because at the end of the day, right, nothing is linear in life. The whole invitation of life is to be able to dance with duality and to not live in this polarized world, but in this world where we can bring our disparate parts to meet in the middle, right? In exchange and in dialogue. 
So there's a part of you that wants, so let me give you the example of my website, right? The story I started at the beginning of this. The part of me that wants to deliver this thing and there's a strong part of me that just likes finishing things. I like the dopamine rush of it's done and I check the, the tick box, the, I tick the checkbox that says the to-do is done. Right. I, I wanted the validation of people going to the website and being like, oh, my God, your website. I'm like, right. Oh, it's amazing. Yay. I just wanted, you know, to interact with people around this beautiful thing I've just created, hoping that it was awesome. Right. And I also really wanted to achieve this big milestone and I wanted it as soon as possible. And I'm a high performer and a high achiever and I like to do things fast. That's the one part of me. So that part of me was saying, show up at work on Monday, even though you're tired so we can finish this thing. But then there's also a part of me that really loves myself, that really wants ease, that really wants my body to be able to have rest, that knew I was tired, that doesn't want to be living in a stressful business, but wants a business that feels easeful, but fulfilling and productive. You can be productive and easeful. It's about how productive you choose to be, right? So then there was this second part of me that just wanted to really love myself and honor myself and give myself a good thing and a good experience in my business. Now, these two guys have different boundaries. This one's boundaries. Um, the, the one who wants the thing delivered on Monday, she wants it done now. The one who cares about my well-being, she wants us to rest and for us to do it on Tuesday. We were at an impasse. Now, the most important thing I had to do was now look, go back to my values hierarchy. In the hierarchy of my values, which is more important to me? Is it more important to me that I achieve this today, right? That I, I feel like I'm a high achieving, fast paced business? Or is it more important to me that I am healthy and at peace? That I have ease and flow? According to my values, I want ease and flow more than I want high pace and fast pace because that's egoic whereas on the other side that feels like love right one feels like ego desire and the other feels like love for you it may feel like the opposite right i'm not saying you need to value what i value but the the principle behind this is to go back to your values and say and let your values choose for you because if you don't step back to your values and pause and say okay but what is the bigger thing i want in, in this life your subconscious is going to choose things for you. Your fears are going to choose things for you. Your insecurities are going to choose things for you. This perception of, well, what will people think of me if I'm a person who's just not working on a Monday and people are sending emails and there's no reply? Well, I don't care what people think because if I rest on Monday, I'll be able to show up and reply on Tuesday. But I knew if I worked on Monday, Tuesday would be at risk, right? I may not be able to show up because remember, I have endometriosis and I can't run my body the way that I used to run my body before. For you, endometriosis could be children, Right. It could be um, it could be anything in your life that means that you have to balance yourself. And it's the fact that we all have limited energy. So for me, what I discovered in that moment, that there was a boundaries war happening within me. And what I needed to do was enforce the boundary that is most aligned with my deepest values in order to deliver myself the right outcome in that moment so that I would prevent burnout. And in that moment, the higher value was rest. The higher value was ease and flow. And all, and, but it was very hard. It was hard because my mind did not like that. There was another part of me that I had to take into the rest day. Right? It's not like I, I got to leave this part of my, of my brain and my psyche in the office and go and have fat times on my couch watching Netflix or reading. No, she was with me on the couch being like, you could be working right now. I can't believe you're chilling right now. Wow, okay. And I had to keep bringing her in dialogue around why we were doing this and around the fact that we could still deliver great things despite. So this is where the mindset work happened, right? Where now I had to, and I'm finding that as I continue to protect myself from burnout and from the burnout that I will cause myself if I don't manage myself with courage, wisdom, and maturity, I will not make it. My business will not thrive. My business will not survive. So I had to come and bring myself into dialogue. And so these were the five steps I took. 
And number six, which is an underlying enabler, right? So that's why it's not really a number six, but it's a big enabler, is the mindset piece, right? What do I need to believe at each step so that I can do that step? If you don't have a supportive belief around why this is good for you, why you can still succeed even if you do this, you won't do it. You'll keep burning out. You'll keep yourself in burnout environments. You'll keep yourself at war with yourself. And one thing that I'm, I, I need to say is that the more you do mindset work, the easier it gets, but it's extremely hard at first. So this little war I told you about at point number five, where I had to have a boundary with myself, it's early days, but it's getting better. Because the first time I did it, it was very hard that day with the website. But then I had to do it again because there's a few different projects I'm pushing in, in my business right now. And the second time it was a bit easier because I now know that I can live in the discomfort. I can live with the tension. I'm strong enough. Number two, I now know that I'm patient enough to have a conversation and dialogue with that part of me. And that, di- and that part of me is now getting used to my voice, my inner voice that is supportive of my rest and supportive of flow and ease for me and is trying to rehabilitate me away from a life of hardship and into a life of ease and is willing to now engage because it recognizes the voice and it feels a little bit less threatened by that voice. It feels a little less like all of my financial security and stability and social prestige is at risk if I rest, right? Because now they're in dialogue. So the mindset work is so key, but you can trust that if you keep pressing into it, it will get easier. So I'm going to lobby this across to you, right? I have shared my five steps. I'm going to recap them. And as I recap them, I want to ask you, right? As you listen to each step, ask yourself one thing, and this is what's going to help you to take action. If you're feeling burnt out right now, ask yourself, What do I need to believe about myself, life, and other people, and work in order to give this to myself? What do I believe about myself, life, other people, and work in order to be able to give this to myself? And number two, do I trust that if I work less, I can be successful and still meet my needs and still feel safe and secure? So let me read through the five things. Number one, I started with the external changes and changed my job, my health, and put in a supportive performance operating model. Number two, I instituted boundaries with others. Boundaries around the scope of work, the hours I worked, perfectionism, delivering only the MVP, and how present I would be and available when I was resting. Number three, I shifted towards work that was more aligned with my sources of meaning, moving away from McKinsey into, for me, it was Kuba performance and executive coaching, working for myself. Number four, I worked on my work body and went within and helped my nervous system to calm down so that I wasn't coming to work with an activated body that was creating tension and stress for me during the day. And then number five, I had to manage boundaries with myself so that I would hold the space of rest, hold the space of staying in my job, hold staying in my job. By that, I mean, hold the space of staying as an entrepreneur and not running back to work, hold the space of the boundary I need to set with myself so that I keep myself unburnt out. I hope that this episode has been helpful and insightful for you. It is quite a deep one because so many of us are burnt out. But I know that if we are willing to step back and really look at ourselves, over time we can journey. So remember my first big step around burnout And oh, I didn't mention that a pre thing I did because I thought that this would work and it works for some people is I actually took some protracted leave. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Um, I did that before I did step one. So I took about five months or six months off because I was in adrenal fatigue and chronically ill 
and um, unable to actually perform well at work. And it coincided with my father getting diagnosed with um, cancer, heart disease and Alzheimer's. And so I went to support him in Zimbabwe and I took time off work so that I'd be able to do that. First, I'd started off um, with my time off. And then when my dad got ill, I had to extend it slightly because the stress of him getting ill undid some of the work I had done to try and rest. And so I did take a little break, right? So I'm not saying that for you, you need to go and switch your job. You may only need a sabbatical. You may just need time off. You may need to work part time. You may need to stop working weekends. You may need to stop working nights. But the spirit of it is how do you pay back, right? So that you can give yourself what you need. And the last piece is celebrate your your wins along the way. This is a tough journey. It is tough work. And at each step, right, even if you're just at step one or you are at step five, celebrate the progress you're making as you're making it because your your brain thrives with positive reinforcement. And what you should really know is do this in your way, right? And on this whole podcast, I'm always talking about important things and the things that I've done, but it's always from a lens of the wisdom I've experienced that I think would be helpful if other people knew so that they don't have to go through the suffering that I went through or so that they can get some wisdom from what I've done to try get myself into a better space, especially when it's worked well for me. So a lot of this is personalized experience and that means it works well for me, for who I am and how I'm oriented in the world, but you're different. So take the things that resonate, leave the things that don't, do it in an order that feels right to you. You don't have to go from one, two, three, four, five the way that I did. You can start with number five. You can clump number three and number five because they're both about boundaries, right? But at the end of the day, I just laid it out in my chronological order because that's how the experience um, presented to me. But for you, it may be different. All right. I hope this has been helpful. If um you are struggling with a particular aspect of your burnout, just reach out, right? Send me a DM, Instagram or LinkedIn. Or if you're on Spotify, I'll put in a little response box so you can share with me if there's an aspect of it you're struggling with. Because I've done a lot, although I'm talking about my personal experience here, I've done a lot of research into what burnout is, what drives it, how people can recover from burnout, all the different things you can do. And so if you do have questions that you want to ask me, feel free to reach out and I'll share with you what I know. All right, until next time, keep leading abundantly. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's inspired you to take action that brings you closer to leading as the truest version of your abundant self. If you enjoyed this episode, please would you consider leaving a five-star rating and following the podcast. It really helps other people like you to find me and benefit from this free leadership resource. Yours in abundance. Until next time.